Welcome to I Wish I Was an Only Child, where we, Kath... That's me. ...and me, Rachel Mason, speak to other siblings about the dynamic of their relationship so we can see where we're going wrong. This week we spoke to comedian Ahir Shah and his sister Tash. Tash is eight years older than Ahir. What would you have said about their relationship? She is incredibly protective of him in the sweetest way. As a performer, he allowed her lots of space to talk. Yes, he did. Actually, that was interesting. Yeah. And maybe that's again because she's the older sibling, so that dynamic is there. No, he did. He felt quite a lot less ego-led than a lot of performers. Might we, be. Yeah. Mm, incredibly articulate, incredibly um, in tune with each other and their own. Yeah. She's also got just, really nice hair, like me, yeah. which I think I need has. to get in there. Well, I'm um, not say because that is how hair. we sum up our relationship. You've yeah. always said, I've always got the nice hair. Yeah. Yours is pubic hair. I've basically got pubic hair on my head. And I, obviously he didn't have pubic hair, but he had curly hair, wavy hair, and she had, as was commented Timothy at the beginning Albert of the part, yeah. Who's the funniest of the two of you? <gasps> my sister. <gasps> what? <laughs> Go on, <laughs> explain. Well, in the sense that, like, I'm... I'm better at writing comedy because it would be mm. fucking weird if I wasn't. <laughs> mm. I would much rather, at a, at a dinner party, I would much rather be listening to Diddy than talking myself. <laughs> Does that surprise you, Tash? Um, you, I'm not surprised by it because you've, you've said it, you've mentioned to me before, I love that you think that I'm the most funny one out of the two of us. I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm really but funny, to, so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where I like... I will quote her in like when I'm talking to friends generally and they will often be like, oh, this reminds me of this really funny thing that Diddy said uh, and go down that story mm-hmm. and everything. Like she, she's my go-to like quotable person. So um, did you really make each other laugh as when you were younger? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you used to have, when, when you were a teenager, you had that um, whiteboard in your room uh, that you would oh, yeah. do you remember like you'd write down like the names of albums that you wanted to get and then you had a little thing that was like mum dad are here and like funny Funnies. quotes yeah. that we'd said that oh. would be uh, in your room the whole time yeah no we really we really did and I know lots of siblings have that thing where it's like they say oh we make each other laugh in a way that no one else gets and I'm sure I'm guessing you guys have that do you have yeah yeah absolutely and it's yeah. just the yeah. two of That's you but I remember once my best friend from uni saying to me you guys laugh in exactly the same way. You laugh with your whole body. Mm. And we yeah. just have... It, it, and I feel like that is sort of one thing that, that links us quite nicely in terms of just, like, the way we respond to humour. No one makes me laugh like Ahir does. And we find the same completely obscure, the thing that everyone else mm. in the room missed, we will both, you know, that whole DNA thing. We just... We both find that yeah. exact way that that thing was delivered or, you know or presented to be as hysterical as the other person. And so it's annoying, though, that you have such an annoying laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we, we were once at a comedy show, and in the interval, uh, an old woman who was sat in front of us turned back to look at me and said, oh, so you're the laugher. Oh, <laughs> and no, internally, I was just like, motherfucker, it's a comedy <laughs> show. What do you want me to do? <laughs> So can we just have a bit more in terms of background on where you grew up and how you grew up? How you grew up? Well, parents still together, parents divorced. I grew up that way. How many siblings? Yeah. Yeah. Together we grew up in Wembley, um, but I was born in the States, so I, you know, there's a big age gap between us. So I was um, 
sort of zero to eight in a completely different place and then we moved to back to England and then we lived in Wembley fairly lovely detached house with both our parents but we- I mean but Wembley still um, but still <laughs> yeah. oh. why were you in the States? my parents um my mom actually came to the UK when she was about 11 so she grew up in the in the UK but they both, after getting married, they both moved to the States. It's a, it's a whole story and it's quite fun, actually. But they, the short version is my dad was sort of like, let's go on an adventure. And that adventure took them to the strangest of places. They actually ended up living in Virginia in a place called Shenandoah Valley, which is really in the middle of absolutely nowhere, in a town called Goshen. And that's where I was born. And I li- we lived there for a short amount of time before they actually then just moved to Chicago. And then we lived in Chicago until I was about seven right. or eight. And then why did you move yeah. to, to England? Wembley. Why Wembley? They, <laughs> why Wembley? Uh, my mum had, my mum grew up in Wembley. They went basically uh, from, they were both born in India, went to Goshen, which is the opposite of India, and then <laughs> yeah. Wembley, which is the closest you can get to India without being in India. <laughs> so it's basically just varying degrees of India okay. around the entire thing. And then I hear yeah. you came along. Yes, shockingly and unexpectedly. Uh, really shockingly and unexpectedly. Yeah. Very much so. He is known as a total accident. Mum talks about it yeah. all the time. <laughs> I overheard this for the first time when I was very young at my grandmother's house uh, in London, like mum just offhandedly saying it to a friend and not realising that I was sort of scuttling around the room. And I started, I'm just like running out of the room crying and her having to come and sort of reassure me that no, 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 we love you and everything. Like, anyway, we love you anyway. That's- so they just wanted an only child yeah funnily enough I was an only child that's what I said to Ahir you know when we talked about recording this podcast for the first eight years of my life and I feel fairly certain mum would have had more children but you know being in the states and being sort of a little bit unsure as to how things were going to pan out for them professionally and you know finances etc I think they sort of held off on growing the family and then by the point you know in time that they moved back and I was eight years old or seven or whatever they just thought well this is just not going to happen may as well not yeah. try desperately to have another kid and so therefore I hear the accident appeared <laughs> yeah or rather <laughs> when it got to 1990 they became fully aware that professionally and financially it probably wasn't going to go the way <laughs> they'd intended so they were like well what else is there to do but fuck yeah. that's, uh, maybe it's just the Wembley air maybe the Wembley air is just really sexy <laughs> so hang on Tash how did you feel when he came along did, were you horrified not at all when he arrived I had been he obviously Ahir was born December 28th so right around Christmas time and I had asked for a particular doll that sort of cried real tears. I really the one that went under- the nappy and oh, yeah, why do one. why yeah. did children Awful. want these things? Yeah. Awful. And mm-hmm. I had must have seen an ad for it and was like, I want that thing for Christmas. And then Ahir was born, and you know, within two days, I had absolutely no interest in this doll because I had a real life doll you know and one of my earliest memories is actually sort of running with him I'd hold him like a rugby ball sort of you know and and run up and down the stairs with him to sort of move him between you know downstairs where my grandmother might be and upstairs where my mother might be and I'd sort of transport him as like a rugby ball under my arm (laughs) and my grandfather would just scream like Akanksha slow down Mm -hmm. and I'd be so scared that I was gonna 
you know, obviously really desperately, <laughs> badly injure this, this baby. <laughs> but he, to me, just was a toy. He was like a brand new, alive human toy. So it was way better than any doll. And I was super excited. And and that remained, that it wasn't just for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I we, you know, we, even before sort of thinking about doing this, I remember saying to my husband, oh God, what are we even going to talk about? Because it feels like it's, almost we just had a perfectly pleasant lovely childhood we just wow. really like each other we you know there there are of course sort of emotional tangents of that but actually I was so stoked that he was around and it just meant that I could sort of hang out with this other person even though he was so much younger than you even though he was so much younger and I don't know whether there was like a maternal you know I thing that kicked in in me even at such a young age but I really wanted to change the diapers I really wanted to be responsible for lots of different things that my mum you know traditionally or historically would have been responsible for I wanted to take care of him um so I did a lot of that at, at age eight you know I I sort of wanted to mother him as it were you know and I probably still feel a little bit like that now um, you still call me baby sometimes yeah he's my baby <laughs> so lame Ahia how does it feel to have a sister who was so maternally involved was changed I mean that's amazing to be so involved yeah well I mean of course sort of I wouldn't know it any other way yeah. Uh, yeah. but I think a lot of it does have to do with the cultural background uh, as well and just the way that a lot of Neshi families are and like certainly in our school like everyone was very very close to their nuclear families and stuff and it wasn't really until I got to university and started meeting a lot of white people that I met people who were entirely indifferent towards their siblings right. and I was just like that's so weird Between one another, like, I think that the really nice thing that we had and that we still have is that sort of despite the age gap and obviously despite the fact that, you know, Lily would be at university when I was just starting high school and then, you know, she would be in World of Work when I was still moving through that and we'd be at different stages of life, inevitably, given the age difference. It always felt like from being a child that we always had this one person who was there, regardless of if we had any yeah. issues with our parents or anything that was happening in the wider family or in our personal lives or what have you, there was always this, this port of call was and is a constant, which I think is very, very valuable. Um, to the extent that uh, before recording this, uh, I was speaking to my manager, who Didi has obviously known for several years as well, and he was saying to me that the one worry I have, knowing the two of you, is that this could actually shape up to be quite a boring podcast. I know, I love that. <laughs> it's just going to be like, oh yeah, she's really good. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, it's like, is anyone interested in that? I don't know. But, but that's been the weird thing about doing the podcast, because obviously we sort of want lots of dirt and grubbiness and terrible stories, but the people that do it are the ones that get on with their siblings. Yeah, but we've unearthed some things. So how would you describe, <laughs> how would you describe yeah, each other? Terrifyingly capable, needlessly anxious. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. That's so lovely. And Tash, how would you describe Ahia? Oh man, I mean that's just such a lovely, succinct description and like gives me lots to think about and that's sort of just 
you know, someone that always makes me think more, more and more and more about everything, um, every single thing. I just, I, I, I don't have like a snippy, quick way of describing him. I would just talk for 25 hours about all the things I love about him. I just, he's just somebody who constantly makes me think in a way that pushes sort of everything I already thought um, and then sort of guides it to a place that feels a lot more settled and like I can sort of explain things better to myself. I, I don't know, that's probably a... Is he like a therapist? Um, I don't know that I, I go to him necessarily for mm. that type of support or advice. Oh, there's this problem, can you help me fix it? It's more just that organically... It, because of his interests and because of his his work and his craft and his skills, he often just sort of quite naturally inspires you to think about something that you that you hadn't even considered before. And I think it's one of the reasons that I love his shows. And I really felt that it was the first time I'd seen kind of stand up comedy that you know I walked out and felt like it was a really funny sort of philosophy lecture or you know something that makes you go oh man I'm gonna think about that for another month you know until I sort yeah. of try and settle on a route myself um and he sort of just brings that to our world all the time I think and it's just so impressive I'm so impressed by him actually I was thinking about this this morning and again sorry it's not that exciting and juicy but it's just no, go. Go it's just it. like I was trying to think you know if you would say what is it about him you know what's a really amazing thing about him. he's so disciplined like i that and, and we're mm. so different in that sense i am not disciplined i really am a little bit sort of you know it's so sweet for you to say that i'm capable and all of this and maybe this goes with the anxious pit but i just I, i'm sort of a bit more scatty and i'm a bit more haphazard and i'm a bit more i feel a bit more sort of like i'll I, i'm just a bit more i think all over the place but you're so disciplined what do you do tash well, I work for Spotify and I've been working there for a, a decade, actually. Um, so I've worked in lots of different uh, capacities, but in a, in a marketing role, essentially. So yeah. um, always a sort of more creative side. Um, and yes, you need to be diligent at work. And I am diligent at work. It's just when I think about the fact that Ahir is somebody who's self-employed and and still, you know, works as hard as he does and has the mm. ethic that he does. I mean, if I was a self-employed person, I would literally be homeless. <laughs> I don't. Uh, well, I, I don't would. think that that's true, and I think that what what is what is more the case is <laughs> that you uh, you don't really have that sort of like brash, arrogant self-confidence that just allows you to, like, bl blow through things and be like, yes, obviously I can do this, I'm amazing, it will be fine, mm -hmm. and, everything. and the thing, like, you actually can do all of those things, yeah, uh, but I think, I think it's just, um, you know, we, we all, we all sort of get, get conned by those people who are, uh, you know, outwardly presenting of, yes, I will, I will absolutely smash, uh, every element of this, and I think that a lot of those people, are, when it comes down to it, a lot less capable than just uh, just putting out a lot of front. Absolutely <laughs> agree. Absolutely agree. It's the extroverts that get on generally. But you said Tash is anxiety driven, and I know you have anxiety. You're anxiety driven. Are you both? Was anxiety in the household as you were growing up? I think Diddy's more Diddy's more the anxious one. I'm the more depressive one. Yeah. Sorry, hey, you keep calling different names. Lily, no, Diddy. No, Diddy. Uh, it's always, always Diddy. Diddy just means sister. So I've okay, I've all right, got, okay. I've I've never been angry enough at her to call her a gangsha, which uh, is is her full oh. name. Uh, and I think one okay. day, if if she does something which really infuriates me one day, then uh, I'll be like a gangsha, and she'll know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So sorry. So the anxiety, we... just interesting. So you say you've got the depressive anxiety and you've got the anxiety anxiety. I think you're right. Oh God, I hadn't, I don't know that I'd really thought about this in this way, but I think you're right in that I sort of question things a lot. I'm sort of split. There are moments where I will be completely, you know, like moving to New York for two years and leaving Dylan, my husband here. And I was like, I'll be back every three weeks off I go to live in a different city for a couple of years. I made that decision without, your husband. without my husband. And I made that decision over the course of two weeks. I literally said to my boss, shall I do it? Do you reckon I could? And it happened. And by, you know, the next month I had essentially moved and had a flat and was living, you know, this pretty nuts life. And so I'll do things that are spontaneous and strange in that way. And I'll take the punt. But it's always around sort of, I feel like the reason I might do things like that is just because I see like a really fun component. You know, I think, oh, that's mm -hmm. going to be absolutely brilliant. A, a real laugh. I'll do it. When it's really when it's something serious, I probably will sort of mull over it way, 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 way too much and then create my own probably circles of anxiety and then and then maybe yeah, not yeah. act. And yes, Ahir has the more, yes, I guess it's a depressive anxiety, which sounds... Is that, is that what you'd call it out here? But I, I think also the useful thing is because the, the way that we see the world or the way that we react to external things isn't the same. Like, it's useful that whenever there's... I have a particular issue, I can call up Nidhi and she'll be able to say, OK, one, two, three, Do here this. is why you mm. shouldn't be thinking of it yeah. in the way that yeah. you're thinking of yeah. it. She'll be able to think of it in a way that's more healthy for me and then vice versa... She's able to call me and be like, oh, I'm pranking out about this thing. And I'll say, well, mm -hmm. have you considered it from this angle? And we can sort of put those useful differences to work in that sense. And I, I think also a lot of that just comes from inherently from the level of comfort that you gain around someone from a lifetime mm -hmm. spent yeah. with okay. them and around them, right? Like my sister is basically the only person I am wholly comfortable crying in front of. Yeah. Yeah. When you were in Stockholm, uh, working there for a little while, I remember last year, uh, sort of in the spring period, when I was going through a bit of a rough patch, and me just coming over and visiting you and letting it all out, and for the first time, like, properly doing an ugly cry about everything, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you being able very calmly to be sat opposite me, uh, being like, yeah, well, what if, we, what if we just think about it like this? Uh, and mm -hmm. you're like, yes, that's exactly what I needed. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. So you'll phone each other. If either of you have a problem, the first person you phone is your sibling. Do you know, I would say no, no. actually. I don't know what yeah. you'd say, Ahir. Yeah. I, I don't, no, I don't I, it, it feels like we go to each other with really specific things. Like, for example, I, if I'm having a thing with Dylan, for example, if Dylan and I are in a bit of a, you know, funk and I'm having, you know, or we've had a fight, it's rare that I will phone you about that. And mm. I was thinking, actually, that I... I think that's probably because, you know, I want you to feel like Dylan never does anything wrong because I want us to have this, like, lovely, perfect oh, relationship. And I don't ever want you yeah. to be upset with him. His nickname is... for me is Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're very, very close. I know this man isn't perfect. We are very close, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're very close? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. As I never um, tire of reminding him, on Dylan's stag do, it was a very, very nice time, and he told me that he loved me uh, before vomiting into a canal. And and I'm like, the fact you said it before the vomiting in the canal, so it counts. And yeah. now you, you, brotherly, you brotherly love me forever and you can't take it back. <laughs> oh, Definitely. Wow. But Tash, you don't want Ahir to see any, you want him to see a solid 
relationship with Dylan? You want him to feel secure? Does that is that what you're saying? Do you know, yeah, I do. I want him to think of my relationship as the one that's always just completely even keeled. So even though I know he's intelligent enough to know that there are always going to be bumps and everybody has bumps. And even though there have been moments where I have said to him, oh, we've had this really annoying fight and, you know, it's frustrating. They're very few and far between because I just want him to feel that there is one. And it's funny because my mum and dad have, you know, an extraordinarily solid relationship in that they are, you know, they've been, they, they eloped to get married. They was, you know, there was, there was all this drama around that. And then, you know, we look to them as having led quite a romantic, like silly little life, you know, in terms of just flighty and... And what was the elope? Why did they elope? What's what's that about? There are a couple of reasons. One, because my dad was not the right kind of guy that my grandparents would have wanted my mum to marry. Um, She, first of all, she sort of met him on her own and, you know, it wasn't sort of something that the families, someone that the family had introduced her to, etc. So there was that, you know, and at the time he was like a photographer and it was a bit like, well, that's not a dentist or a doctor or like, Mm -hmm. so no. Um, And secondly, I think, and sometimes I think more importantly, and as we get older, I think more importantly, because she was really just looking for an out of her quite strict household. Um, and she met this guy who had lived in Hong Kong and, you know, she met him at like, quote unquote, a house party and was like, yeah, you'll do. You know, you seem like a really kind of fun adventure, completely away from my existing life, you know, my, my quite yeah. boring... A way out. A way out. A, a way totally out, a way out. And, and because of that, they've had a pretty intense, strange relationship, but they do feel completely, it seems like they are totally obsessed with each other, even though they have... But why strange? Strange in the sense that it wasn't super traditional. Um, my mum, she was the primary breadwinner. And so she was the person mm. who had a really stable job, was a teacher, a fantastic teacher, you mm. know, and sort of kept things ticking. Whilst we benefited from that in a really particular way, which is that we spent so much time with our dad, we, we essentially had what we now would refer to as, you know, a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Mm. But when that isn't the plan... When it wasn't that he had planned to be a stay-at-home yeah. dad, that brings with it its yeah. own complexities. And therefore, yeah, so despite that tension, of which there was always tension and there was always sort of like financial worries and that was always a super yeah. prevalent, you know, thing growing up, they are obsessed with each other. It's really? just... After how many years? It's just crazy. You know, we can, we can regard obsessed as a positive thing or yeah, a negative I mean, thing, and it is at varying times both. And yes, I would say yes, that this, is, that's really this good, is probably yeah. one of the uh, main points of contention uh, yeah. that my sister and I have, which is that... So, for example, when, when we talk about will, will the other be the first port of call in every problem that one has, and mm. you're like, well, no, obviously not, because there are certain things that... Lily would rather discuss with her husband or with her friends. Mm. Similarly, there are things that I would mm-hmm. rather discuss with my uh, girlfriend or my friends and stuff like that. Like, it's, that's just the way things are uh, normally. The one, obviously, that we are definitely the first port of call for one another are our parents, who we have like very complicated relationship with that has been somewhat elided over the course of this conversation. <laughs> and a lot of that is due to the, th- the fact that I think Lily quite understandably wants to present perhaps a rosier picture of the entire mm-hmm. experience 
than is necessarily the case. And I appreciate that. And like when, for example, we're talking to you, or this is a relatively public, well, it is a public conversation ultimately, there are going to be things that we're uncomfortable mentioning or wouldn't want to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing, the thing that distinguishes, I think, our relationship is me having to be like, no, no, it's just us now. There's no need for, yeah. th- there's mm-hmm. no need to put on this thing. I was there too. Are they sort of the wild ones and you're the sort of straight <laughs> ones? Is that what it is? I would say yes. I honestly think yeah. of them as, you know, that's why, for example, when I, you know, and, and my dad, I feel like my dad is often our first port of call with lots of random things. Like, should I do this? What do you think about this? But they are, I mean, I think of them as the wild ones. To answer your question, I because when I made the decision, for example, to move to New York, you know, I, do, I just don't know of many parents who'd be like, yes, you know, you're of childbearing age. Yeah. We have no grandchildren and you should definitely move away from your husband for two years. And he was like, oh, brilliant. This is the best thing I've ever heard you've ever done. You know, because he's he just wants us to do nutty things. Like he wants us to sort of yeah. really yeah. live in a way that my mom doesn't sort of push us to do. My dad is the one who's yeah. like, you should go do this crazy thing I heard about um, and just give it give it a shot like I think in part it's because of the sort of like different things that we sometimes need like our father is very good at like he has total unshakable faith in both of mm. us uh, and everything mm. and so it's always like yes of course you should do that because you'll definitely smash it and that's like very very like yeah put it all into the- and for you uh, obviously, when you're talking about things like uh, moving to New York or the, these sort of big decisions, that actually is, I think, in big part what you need to hear. Mm. Whereas yeah. often, like when it's a case of, you know, think of the differences in our lives given the basic fact of me being self-employed. For example, like quite often, you really don't need to hear that person being like, yes, definitely do it. I can see absolutely no downside to this whatsoever. And like yeah, so but he was like that. I mean, he took you, you to actually, comedy school. You know, he yeah, was yeah, the yeah. guy who was like, "Let's try and see if you, if you want to pursue this, go for it." I mean, it may have, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And um, that that's wild to me that my dad and to be you know frank, like this you know Indian guy who has you know sort of balked a little bit of tradition and ended up being without you know with or without meaning to being a stay-at-home dad is the one that's going like go and be a stand-up comedian that would be cool you know Mm. super untraditional Mm. I mean we don't have any we don't none of our Indian friends as parents are like this they're just not you know and what about traits that you've got from your parents any wild take a punt go for it who cares what happens that I've got in me is my dad yeah. But I'm, I have, thank God, enough of the sensible streak that my mom has provided, which meant that any wild thing I did, you know, was 95% of the time going to land fine. Whereas mm. if my dad does a wild thing, it's really not even yeah. 50-50. <laughs> it, my, no, my mother would check that the swimming pool was full of water before jumping off the diving board, <laughs> which uh, I, I don't think... <laughs> my dad would be like, eh, it's a pool, they normally have water in them, Damn, let's go for it. <laughs> Okay, let's get really deep. Who's most likely to fall for a scam? <laughs> oh God, it's probably me. Uh, I mean, I've oh, I've done the paid fringe before, so I think the answer's already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Oh, it's probably me, honestly. I think sort of the most positive thing of everything. So I, I, I'll try and lean towards that's probably, they're probably in it for the right reasons and it's probably a good thing. And it's, thankfully I haven't fallen for any, but. I mean, I got hustled out of 40 quid this summer by a wow. scammer on the street. Uh, so it was because uh, basically it was this dude, it, it was it was when lockdown had just eased and it was the first time I was going out. Uh, for ages to do anything Big other moment. than going for the food shop. Uh, and I was going to meet my friend Ali in a park and we were going to sit and have a beer and it was going to be an absolutely lovely, glorious day. And this dude just stopped me on a street near and, like, claimed that, I don't know, he needed money to stop his car being clamped or something. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, but it had to be cash that I had to withdraw. And, like, you know, it's all of these things that when you look back on it, you're like... <laughs> What? Well, obviously that was... But I was just so thrilled that I was outdoors. And also because it was like... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> what what why else do you need? I'm going to help them. <laughs> and uh, also, like, and this is like ludicrously naive of me, but because he was like a brown guy in his 40s, and I was like, he's not going to rip off a brother, though. Like, come on, like, what's going to go on here? <laughs> oh, I'm here. Yeah, That's... so who's more likely to fall for a scam? Me, because I can literally remember you the last did, time I yeah. fell for a scam. Yeah, I would never yeah, fall for something recent. so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever fight? Ever? You don't, do you? Uh, I, I would say that the... Lo the biggest point of contention for us for a long time is when I was a heavy smoker. Yeah. Uh, oh. And you very justifiably hated that um mm. and like at the time i would get annoyed about it because bingo drug addict uh and, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so i'd be like oh was it, was it harsh in my mellow and now i'm like oh no actually like looking at someone you love slowly kill themselves is like mm. a really distressing thing so i could totally get that on board with that also i actually thought think about it quite a lot because I think that actually comes down to a little bit of a control thing with me in that and this is me kind of self-diagnosing but I think that because of the way we grew up and because of the way that we were so close and I just pretty much everything I said you did or believed or responded to in some positive way and then you started smoking at the like in high school you know you were older when you started smoking right I mean I think and it was just like you got to be kidding me and I'm not one to be so I'm not not naughty, do you know what I mean? Like, have fun, do silly things. But smoking, to me, just felt like a really silly thing to pick up at that age. Mm. And so, and I think it actually, in the beginning, was more about the fact that I was saying, hey, don't do that, man. Like, it's just kind of silly thing to do. And you, you didn't listen to me, which was probably mm. more frustrating for me than the fact that you were smoking, which makes me sound terrible, but... No, I think you were definitely... Even if it was for the wrong reasons, you were doing the right thing. So right. That's, uh, but did it make uh, you angrier here? Uh, occasionally, but, like, in a way that, looking back, you're like, well, that was entirely unjustified. But, I mean, even uh, now, I, I, you, you don't love it when I tell you anything about like vaping or smoke you know you you just yeah. shut down basically because we yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that make you angry yes <laughs> okay so come on you do round. well that's make us feel really that's, that's just a, a minor dis, dis, you know we have a really different 
way of viewing our parents I think in our parents relationship and that sometimes causes a little bit of you know I will feel that they are doing something for a particular reason and I hear it will sort of shut me down or say like no you're being too sort of kind or emotional or this or that or you're giving too much leeway and actually that I think we sometimes feel quite differently about we've never had a blowout like fight about it but um no, I think for me, yeah, it's pro- it probably was the smoking thing, to be honest. Um, I think that's probably the only time we've ever had a bit of a row. Yeah. And even that, my solution was that I said I would become a vegetarian if you quit smoking because you were a vegetarian. Yeah. Oh. And that did... Ho- okay, so here's the thing with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Nidhi's thing was, I will become a vegetarian for a year if you stop smoking for a year. And I was just like there's literally, like, what can I do in response? Like, this is something that I genuinely do think, like, is bad for the world. I felt very clever did. with my... Uh, it, it was extremely clever. <laughs> no, 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 like, that was a... You absolutely Sherlocked me. Right? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, and I started... And the first time that we met up, which was maybe, like, a couple of weeks into this whole thing, uh, I met up with you in Soho, and you were just eating oysters. <laughs> and oh. you are like... What? what? What's wrong? I was like, that counts! <laughs> that counts! Stop, stop eating the fucking oysters. Put them down that way. You can have these, but then you need to stop. Uh, right. Uh, did you stop? Did I you did. stop then? Yeah. Did you? I had a... Yeah. And, then, and then I... And you actually don't eat much meat anymore, either. No, it did It did end up actually reducing reducing how much meat I ate. But, yeah, that was... The, I mean, the main reason was, was just to try and get him to stop smoking, and it worked for that, that period of time, and then you had a bad yeah. breakup, and you went and started... Well, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was that that particular time of quitting uh, ended when uh, we were in Paris and were like and the uh, stuff with the attacks there. Um, and uh, yes, then, I read about that. yeah, the the day after, I was just sat opposite my then girlfriend outside a cafe and was like, "Give me a cigarette." People are trying to kill us with machine guns. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Fair. Okay, yeah. so not a bad breakup. Yeah. <laughs> I won't just, uh, yeah. We're trying to keep it light, but I keep, I just want to ask things about, like, Tash, how when Ahir gets depressed, how that makes you feel, how, how you cope with that? Good question. It's funny because Ahir mentioned the time we were in Stockholm and he had that massive cry. And I just think, I think what's funny is that I think when I'm with you and you have that type of a break, you know, an emotional breakdown or you you know you you seem really really vulnerable I actually think I I can be a little bit hard I don't know if you would agree but I I feel like in those moments I'm quite okay but what are the three things we're going to do to change this you know turn this around and I'm not going to sit here and like let you wallow and I'm not going to let you you know yes have a cry if you want to have a cry but then like come on you know let's let's wrap this up and let's feel better and be better and try better and whatever but actually yeah. when I'm not with him and when I think about it it actually crushes me that he could ever feel sad in any way but when I'm with him I want to show him just like strength you know yeah I remember uh, and it's, it's sort of similar like at some point in my early 20s I was coming home from a gig and we were texting and I was like Oh, I died on my ass, and I can't remember whether you texted or you rang me or something. But you're like, are you all right? You di- oh, oh my shit. god! Like this is you. Shit. You did. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, but that's it's sort of something that you know it's the cost of doing business sometimes. And so 
Uh, I agree that it's when when it's things that that are happening to me in inverted commas on my own, although in practice never really on my own just because there'll always yeah, be people around and it's easier to be worried about when you're out on the outside of it. it it's like you've chosen you are somebody who you know you are emotional in a particular way and it's in I get I'm wor I'm a warrior that's probably one of the things I would say about me in terms of my own anxiety a lot of my anxiety comes from like just being a bit worried about friends and family and are they going to be okay and is this going to be okay and I think with our hero I because I don't know how to fix it and I don't know how to manage it other than just making sure he knows he has the space to come to me and that he is on top of things with like doctors and you know and and being open about talking generally because I just don't have any control other than sort of that bit I think I I just worry on you know alone I, I worry and when I'm with him I want to show him just a side that is like no we don't have any time for this like we have to be strong we have to be better oh it's the parental thing it's the parent yeah. and the control, yeah, the control used to, you know yeah yeah, yeah well, it's just you've chosen a career that terrifies me for your personality you know why because of failure because it's very public when things go wrong mm. you know you, you get a like for example if he gets a bad review which doesn't really happen like a bad you know he doesn't get bad reviews but if he gets a review that's not mm. perfect i mean our hero is i don't know what anybody really knows about our hero is how, how studious he was but he's an incredibly intelligent obviously he's incredibly intelligent but he's he yeah. he did really well at school like he was just a total nerd and got like a double first at Cambridge in politics I mean it's just he yeah. he's so when he gets when he doesn't get a five star review if he doesn't get a four star review mm -hmm. I worry that three stars is going to tank him you know which actually yeah. I wish I didn't have to care about to be honest I wish I didn't have to worry that you know every year you go through a cycle of putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable way I mean we had a big chat and the thing is we don't I don't get cross with him we don't have fights but I, I think where there's tension in our relationship is when I feel that he is not really thinking about the emotional pressure and toll that it takes to do what he does. When he did Duffer and you walk out onto stage every day for an hour and you cry at the end of your show and you talk about something that had such an emotional impact on you, that takes a huge toll on you. And I don't know whether that's the smartest thing to do, to choose to yeah. do every single day. And but I it, get frustrated but it literally by was, that. It was a result of the conversation that we had after I was done with that show, where you were like, you need to think very carefully. Like, given yeah. that this is going to be between previews and touring and other festivals and what have you, this is going to be over, like, a year, 18 months of your life. And you need to think very carefully about whether you want to do that again. And that's why... I did dots in the way that I did it and well, didn't that's good to hear. sort of in intentionally didn't go perhaps as mm. sort of like far down the mine uh, as could have done either uh, under different circumstances uh, on, on your advice and I think that you're absolutely right. Yeah, I just think you sometimes, I worry that you don't think about just how much the human body or the human mind is supposed to take. It's like you want to push and push and push and push and I realise that as an artist that's sort of like your bread and butter and, and it's where you see oftentimes the most genius and the most, you know, the most soul-bearing and the most spark that you see on stage is often when you're talking about something that is crushing you. But actually, that's terrifying for me. 
that that's what you want to yeah. get to. There's really a price to pay for that. Does yes. that upset you are here to hear that or? Um, no, not particularly, because I think that it's sort of, it, it's something that Nidhi has expressed to me before mm. and in these terms mm. and is something that I have tried to act on because I think that in large part she is right. I think that there's mm. a certain amount that you will have to give over of yourself if you want to do a particular kind of stand-up or whatever it is that you want to do. Mm. Uh, and so I think that we probably differ in the extent to which we think that there's any way around this problem. Right. But in acknowledging that there is a problem and there are ways to ameliorate it or make it worse, I certainly agree with her. And it took her talking to me about it to let me know that that existed in the first place. I'm immensely proud of of him for actually forging the path that he has and being as, as disciplined, that, you know, as he has been in order to make sure that that he sort of has been as successful as he is. I'm so, so, so proud of him. I am, I am that fear of, you know, what will a bad review do or, you know, is he going to write a show that is so emotionally taxing that it's going to actually cause some type of mm. problem that that nervousness will always probably remain but it's kind of good to hear you say that hearing me tell you hey maybe rethink this actually works um i might I might do mm. that more often if i <laughs> <need to. laughs> we're coming to the end of this but the thing we ask everybody and you've sort of covered yeah, it there, just answered it but I, I'm going to say it again just in case there is anything else you want to add. Is there anything you want to say to each other that you've never said before? Uh, no, not particularly. I think that the very nice thing about the relationship that we've always had is that it's like the fact that I love you and I'm proud of you and admire you and all of these things are like they're not secrets to you, <laughs> you know? Like the, these things have never... Uh, neither of us have ever kept any of that to ourselves and a lot of that again is to do with the way that we were raised yeah. uh, and the openness with which we were always encouraged to say all of those things so I don't know like anything that I could say will have been heard yeah, for yeah. 30 years and will be heard for many many more years um, because that's just the way that the way that we are and the way that I hope we always will be. And know we always will be, because I, I can't conceive of a circumstance where, you know, I, I could sooner see the sun running out. This has been a Little Wonder production. Logo artwork from Kathy Mason. Voice from Melanie Walters. Music from Rodri Viney. With special thanks to Beth Forrest, Steve Pickup, Sam Roberts, Henry Whittacombe and Joe Williams. Other podcasts from Little Wonder include Here to Judge and Welcome to Spooktown. Subscribe now on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all about letting go, speaking. Your workshopping is horrific. I know, it's awful.